Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides easy-to-set-up lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you are interested in learning more about a line of credit for your business, which I would highly recommend, uh, only because I've had one for probably over 25 years, um, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 years, I have built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies that have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience, and today I'm excited to be speaking with Urislav Giagiv. Uh, and I know I'm pronouncing that last name wrong, and I'm going to ask him in a second how to pronounce huh. it. And Rohan uh, Khan from Orange Trail. Uh, Arislav and uh, Rohan um, have uh, scaled Orange Trail from zero employees to over 400 clients in, in, in over one year period. Orange Trail provides whitelisted agency ad accounts for Facebook, Google, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, and Taboola. These ad accounts are much harder to get blocked with unlimited spending limits and the highest tier of support. It's the absolute safest way to scale your advertising in the modern digital advertising world. Arislav and Rohan, welcome today to the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thanks for inviting us. Uh, so, uh, Arislav and Rohan are both calling us, uh, we're calling in from, um, Bulgaria. And I, even before we got on the air, I had to, you know, Google it like most Americans. Mm -hmm. I don't always know my geography. Uh, although I, I traveled to Greece, which is not far from there. So I kind of mm -hmm. get it. And, uh, so it, I think it's the first, uh, person I've ever had out of the 700 podcasts from Bulgaria. So um, today we're going to be kind of talking about, and, and you know, this is a little bit more advanced conversation about how to scale Facebook ads, Google, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, and others. And for the, for some of those, for some, for some of you who have found this uh, this podcast through SEO, you know, you're maybe a little bit more in depth. Uh, but for those of you who maybe do a lot of advertising or have done limited advertising, like I have on Facebook and others, um, this maybe we'll get into some, uh, more nuts and bolts as well. Um, so before we begin, uh, what I'd like to do is either of or Rohan to just tell us a little more about what their company actually does. Sure. Do you want to go? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, so sure. Uh, yeah, let me just, uh, give, you know, a quick context from our side. So, by the way, it's Aeroslav Georgia, just to, to correct, but yeah. Uh, so, oh, okay, we that's easy. are an yeah. agency. <laughs> yes. So, we are an agency. Uh, however, we're not a traditional advertising agency in a sense that clients pay us money, we go and we do the ads for them. No, what we do is we provide the advertising infrastructure. So, we provide agency ad accounts. 
which are much harder to get locked with unlimited spending limits and just highest level support uh, and compliance solutions. So we have a great relationship uh, with ASPs for all the largest platforms, Facebook, Google, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, and we are able to provide this more premium level support and service. Uh, what a lot of people find, even if they spend a lot of money on ads, Facebook ads, Google ads, whatever, is that the support on these platforms is very bad. And this is because these platforms is just, they're very overstretched. You know, they don't have enough resources to invest in good support. A lot of the time it's very like a junior level employee in like the Southeast, South, you know, Southeast Asian country. And they don't really understand like the nuances of the platform, how to solve certain issues. So that's where we plug the gap in the market. That's what we do. Uh, we are able to provide a much higher level support in essence uh, and in effect, helping advertisers spend much more which means that advertisers make more money, Facebook and Google and the platforms make more money and just like a win-win situation. That's in a nutshell what we do. So will, will ad agencies come to you uh, because they're struggling with uh, like, so I would assume, let, let me test my understanding here. You, you have a Facebook ad that you know it's working, but all of a sudden uh, Facebook uh, disallows uh, your ad you know, to simplify it. And you're like, what the heck? What am I doing wrong here? It's, my ad was working. It's making me money and I want to spend, but I can't. And they're taking forever to get back to them about what the problem is. So then they, so then forget about the agency, but then the, the company or the agency comes to you and, and says, what am I, what are we doing wrong here? Is that accurate? Yeah, that would actually be one of the main reasons why um, our, our clients come to us. And the clients vary. There's a wide spectrum of what kind of clients we have, uh, Stephen. So we have you know, individual advertisers that would have like a dropshipping store themselves. Or we might have a huge brand who, you know, the brand owner is not really reaching out to us, but their media buyers or their marketing team is. And then, as you just said, an agency would also contact us and say, hey, guys, we have like 20 clients right now. Five of them are having issues. What can we do? And the biggest reason that they come to us is it's like a final resort thing where they've exhausted all the other options. They've tried to run ads themselves. They've tried to appeal when they're getting rejected or banned and support just doesn't give them an answer in time, or they do give them an answer, which is, this is a final decision. You're permanently restricted. Uh, good luck. So what do you really do in that case? Well, that's kind of where we come in. We're solving a really acute pain point in the advertising industry where there's really not much you know, help out there. And the only logical help is through the traditional channels of support, like contacting their live chat or emailing them. But as Ari just mentioned, um, and this is no fault to the platforms, you know, the platforms are hiring customer support staff. They're outsourcing it, obviously, because of you know, cost to Southeastern Asian uh, you know, countries. And they're just following a script. They may not have run ads ever in their, in their lives either. So they may not always have the answers either. So there's like this one kind of gap in the area where nobody really knows what to do. And we come in there and we solve the solutions. So uh, I forgot the question I was going to ask. This is the first time I've ever done that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the uh, it's, yeah, I know what it was. So it wasn't a, so much a question. Yeah, I guess it was. It's so it's based on, I guess your company is really based on experience, right? It's, it's having dealt with so many different clients and seeing, I mean, I'm sure you are, is the documentation that these companies providing 
good in the in that if you read the documentation, you could see what they're going to ban and what they're not, or is it just changing on a constant basis? Yeah. So often it's actually the algorithms that are messing yes. up. So let me kind of just uh, let me just provide some context. Yeah. So what happens is when you run an ad and it goes into the review process, it's not really a human reviewing it. These right. platforms have set up automated algorithmic um, uh, systems in place, which is scanning your landing page, scanning your ad, and just it's all automated at that stage. When human contact comes in is when there's a need for higher level escalation or manual reviews placed in, in, in the process, if, if, you know, if you understand what I mean. So the, yeah. uh, you still have 400 clients? Do you have more than 400 clients now? I believe it's a bit over yeah, 400 it's, right now. But yeah, that's, it's over uh, 400 and growing, yeah. Okay. So, so the, the four, the, um, um, out of the, I'm just have to ask this question. Out of the 400, what percentage of those are actually located in the United States? Probably around 75 to 80%. Of it. Okay. And so typical... A typical, have you started to see a, a vertical of clients that come to you often? Like I noticed like, well, before we got on air, you're talking about one of your clients that does CBD, right? Um, is there a vertical that you found that has this, that's serious problem of being blacklisted um, that comes to you often? Yeah, it's not just one, uh, Stephen. So it's not just one industry that you've seen uh, a lot of? Uh, uh, let me just quick fire tell you a few of them. <laughs> so we have melatonin, CBD, vape, sports betting. Um, these are kind of in line with the usual ones that are, you know, they're coming up now. Obviously, CBD, can, uh, cannabis, everything being legalized. This has opened the floodgates for a lot of, um, you know, boom in this industry. And of course, rather than selling traditionally uh, with brick and mortar businesses, what some of them are doing is diversifying their traffic source to online, digital, social ads. But, uh, you know, as you probably realize, it's too new. It's too recent. The platforms have not really updated their policy guidelines to cater for these emerging industries. So in those cases, they really do need compliance support. And let me give you an example of how we would make a brand like this um, uh, fully compliant to run social ads. If they have a landing page where they have their product, their, you know, their, their descriptions on their website, our compliance manager would audit that and look at what kind of text they have on that landing page. For example, uh, exaggerated claims is one of the most commonly violated policy for platforms. You cannot make really large exaggerated claims. Um, they must be within the uh, limits of what that product can or has done in the past. But if you overpromise, that's a huge no-no in the eyes of the platforms. Because remember, a lot of these platforms care more about the user experience for their, uh, you know, their, their profiles, their, their customers, rather than businesses you know, taking advantage of them. Yep. So um, your, your experience, um, is it better? So it must be awfully, I, listen, I don't do that. We don't do that much advertising in any social media. It, it, it hasn't been effective for us, but um, the, 
I would imagine the problem that a lot of people have is when you have this ad that's working and you want to tweak it <laughs> and you've got to go back to the review process again. Yeah, is that, is, that a, is that true? Is that typically a problem? Uh, well, to be honest, anybody that really seriously spends money on Facebook and on any ads, they have many concurrent ads. They have many ads in parallel going, you know, in you yeah. know, active. Um, so, I mean, yeah, of course, when you want to tweak an ad, it goes back in review, but that's not really like a, it's not like a massive, massive kind of issue that people talk about in the space. Cause you know, they have hundreds of ads live at the same time. No. So. Oh, okay. All right. Cause I would think that once you got an ad approved that the last thing you want to do is kind of, you know, make a small change because it goes back through the review process again. And then you're of course. worried. I guess you could always, always switch it back to the old ad, right? Yeah, of course. So just, just to confirm that, um, of course, what you're saying is true. Sorry. I think there's a delay. Uh, uh, that's okay. Um, so, so what have you learned over uh, year, the years that you've been doing this now? Um, what have you learned about if someone's creating ads and um, what have you learned to be the, the you know, that really is something they have to work out, uh, work on? Um, so you mentioned earlier, Stephen, this comes from experience. You're absolutely right. We ran ads ourselves. Ari had an agency who was doing the direct response ads for his clients. And there were many big brands, seven, eight figure brands. Um, but I had my own brands. I had my own stores that I was manually running my own ads for. Um, and it wasn't some small amount. I've run millions in ad spend on Facebook alone, uh, let alone, you know, TikTok and Snapchat and other platforms. And the one major recurring issue that I noticed was no matter what the product is, no matter what your marketing materials are, you can get a type of ban that's known as a false positive ban, which as the name suggests, it may not always be an accurate uh, representation of you representing uh, you, you violating a policy, but instead it's a false positive. It means that the platform's algorithm thinks that you broke policy, restricts you temporarily, and then you appeal it and maybe after a week or so you get it back. So that was one such issue that, that we noticed that happens quite often. And as you just said, even if you edit a live ad, it can reset the optimization. But when you get banned, and even if it comes back a few days later, a week later, that also resets the optimization. So you're kind of like back to square one with optimization. And if anyone is listening out there who has run ads, they know the importance of ad set optimization, campaign optimization, because what happens is usually after day two, three, that's when the algorithm gets enough spend from you and, and enough you know, pixel uh, fires that the campaigns and the ad sets start to optimize. It starts to find your pockets of audiences that are most likely to convert for you. But if that optimization is constantly resetting, that's helping nobody. How do, how do you bill your clients? Do you build them on an hourly basis? Do you bill them on a percentage basis? What they spend? How, how does it work? Yeah, so clients they they top up uh, typically through bank transfer. So they top up their ad accounts through us. So they send us the funds, and we send over to the platforms. And then we charge a monthly fee, typically five hundred dollars per month, and then a percent of their ad spend, and then typically three percent. Okay, and. Um, so I, I, let's go back to the original question I had, and because I know you said it's a variety of, of verticals that work with you, but do you find that it's the ad agencies, the SEO companies, or the actual clients that are working with you? 
Yeah, I definitely think it's a spectrum, uh, Stephen. So probably around, it's about half, maybe 60% are direct brand owners, advertisers. And then around 40% are agencies who also have clients with them. Um, and the vertical, the, the, the common one is e-commerce, you know, whether that be a dropshipping store, a brand. Then we have other verticals like lead gen, uh, leads you know people selling leads for legal or whatever and then we have you know digital info like for example people selling courses we have affiliate marketers so it is quite a wide spectrum of what people are selling on our accounts but in terms of just to answer your question anyone can actually come to us as long as they have a compliant white hat offer what i mean by that is that you're not actually violating policy and running something shady or scamming people you are eligible but also there's a threshold of spend that we kind of set just to filter out people that it may not make sense for them to use our accounts. We generally only work with people that are spending minimum $10,000 per month. Yep. What about you? I mean, have you, um, have you not worked with a company because you thought they they were completely unethical? Yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely a very, I mean, in the advertising space, of course, there's a wide spectrum. There's very, very legit companies. But they're also on the other end of the spectrum, there's companies or people or entities that, let's say, don't have those morals or ethics. So yeah, 100%, we screen very hard. And uh, we don't work with clients where they, they seem they don't have those ethics. If, for example, they're running black cat ads, which is pretty much ads that are very against policy on the very much scamming. So there's a lot of people try to do that. We don't work with any people or entities like this. Well, I mean... It must be a fine line because you are, so you have a, let's say you have a client who is, you know, CBD is a good example, right? It's not very well studied, right? I I don't know it that well, but it's not really studied that well, right? And the owner of that company wants to um, sell the product and and I'm sure they come to you and they're like, well, we can, uh, you know, it helps this and this helps this and it helps this. And I guess all you guys are concerned with is does it, does it, will Facebook and the other social engines allow it? You're not concerned with uh, the fact that maybe what he's saying is, is not true. It's like, oh, so it helps arthritis, Right. But there's no studies that show that it helps arthritis. Right? No, no. We definitely audit also their you know, creatives. We look at what they're promoting and what you know, behind the scenes they have. If it's aligned and it's congruent, we look at these factors. Because if we just left it to whether Facebook will accept it or not, well, they could present us with something that Facebook will accept, but on the back end run something shady, right? So as Ari said, our compliance checks are very thorough. Not only do we have a signed agreement with every single client with their entity and their details, which clearly states in the clauses, you must not have misleading ads or anything shady. Um, But aside from that, we also regularly audit client ads just to make sure they're they're, they're not doing anything risky. But your, your point is fair. You know, where is the data at the end of the day? How do you know what they're saying is true or not? Um, we just kind of look at as a whole, do they have a, a functioning working product? Uh, and that, you know, functioning could be up for debate, but are they sending said product? How is their customer service? How are their delivery times? Because look, there are people in the industry that would sell something and not even ship it. You know, again, it comes down to this morals and ethics. There's a lot of drop shippers that would do, you know, run ads, get the sale, but not ship anything, just close down their accounts, take the money, 
and control control C, control V, repeat again. Um, so we do look at multiple factors. We also get on calls with them just to understand who is the person behind the screen. Give me a, a, a typical day. I, I assume that you're both pretty hands-on on this in this company, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so give me a, a, a typical day of what you're doing with on it for yourself at the company. Uh, you know, you could pick a client that you're working with now. We don't need to know who they are, but tell me a little bit about what you do. Yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, typically, you know, we're at the stage where we are growing fast. We have over 25 employees and uh, we are evolving as leaders as well. So yes, we, we do get down uh, in the trenches when needed. However, of course, we are very focused on growing the company in essence, uh, for example, uh, hiring the, the best people. We can't focus on hiring people to help grow the company or uh, finding new ways, new channels, new funnels to grow the company. Uh, so th- we try to, of course, focus on the highest leverage tasks, building the team, growing the company. But of course, uh, there's many cases where we need to get in the trenches ourselves to, I don't know, maybe there's a certain fire, a certain client is complaining about a certain thing and our team really needs our help. For example, we would step in. So, Will, so if you have a client, so granted, I, uh, I didn't realize you had 25 employees. So they're, they're probably the ones that are doing, I, I would imagine you have quite a number of group meetings to share with everybody something you've learned from an existing client. So like say, hey, now Facebook isn't allowing this uh, type of thing anymore. So you're sharing that with everybody. Is that fair to say? Yeah, our week is structured where start of the week every Monday, we have a, a board meeting, which has yep. all of the different departments in there. And we discuss the highest level uh, updates, any issues for the previous week, uh, what went well, what didn't go well. Um, and just to kind of give you an overview of how the day-to-day looks. So we have multiple departments. Uh, we have finance, we have legal, we have biz dev, we have ops, uh, and then also the marketing team. So on every single front, we need to have meetings with them per week. And obviously at this level, we can't really be doing the nitty gritty stuff ourselves because it's just not a good use of our time. One of the key ways to really grow is just to delegate and focus on the high leverage task. So what we might do from a typical day is have a call with finance and say, okay, are the invoices being sent on time? Is there any issues with collection? Some clients don't pay up on time. So that would be that. On the operations side, we actually have a very good operation system built, which is Monday to Friday, we provide 24 hour support because we have account managers in pretty much every time zone across US, Europe, and Asia, there's cross coverage, uh, 24-5 support, Monday to Friday. And because of that, clients can in Slack and say a request like, hey, I need to top up, you know, and we just issue the invoice. Or if they need to request someone to be added or removed from their accounts or just some questions. So again, that's led by the senior operations manager who under her has a lot of the assistance, right? Because again, I couldn't just talk to every single assistant. There's like seven or eight of them. So instead, I just talk to, uh, or Ari just talks to the manager who then talks to the others. So a lot of this requires delegation. In terms of the day-to-day with the clients, the typical requests would be, you know, for example, Stephen says, hey, my account is running low. I need to top up. Because remember, it's a prepay model and you spend funds that you put on the account. So you would request top-ups. You would request to add or remove uh, an access for a member. You might have a question about, can this run? Am I okay to run this ad? Uh, you might have a question related to compliance, something else. So these are the day-to-day requests that are handled on the operation side. And then the higher level stuff, as I mentioned, we take meetings. Well, why, why do you have to, 
why does it have to run through you? Like, not what's the right word? I, I'm just a little bit surprised that the client doesn't have their own account, and they just said they send the ads to you, you approve it, and then they run their own ads. Instead, it sounds yeah. like you're you are running the ads for the client. Is that fair? No, that's that's not uh, the situation. So the way it works is we okay. share the we share the agency accounts to the client, and then they run their own ads. Okay, so um, do you is every ad that that a client running reviewed by you guys? No, no not every not ad. Every we just no. take because you certainly would want. To, I would run it. I would want every ad run by you guys because I don't want to get. I don't want it to get uh, blacklisted. That's not the right word. Um, rejected, Rejected, right? Yes. Because it then I have a problem coming back again. It just takes so long for them to give me an answer. You know, so I would. I would probably say I'd want you to look at all my ads and say, yeah, this one's good. It's not going to have any problems. Yeah, the, the thing is, imagine how much time that takes because each client probably has at once 30 to 50, 100 ads uh, going oh. on. So instead, what we do, we have a slightly different approach. We give them the autonomy to run the ads. When we see issues happening like disapprovals, that's when we step in and say, hey, what's going on? Do you need help? Oh. And they say, yes, we need so help. So only, it's only a disapproved ad that you'll get involved with? Disapproved, or if our reps have some concerns, like "Hey, this ad might be a little bit bordering on the policy," have a chat with the, with the client. How come you don't get involved in um, actually helping them create, do the creative? It, it kind of makes a lot of sense for your business, doesn't it? To add that uh, as an so additional here, service. Yeah, yeah. So here's why: um, it's just we provide. It's just about the scalability factor. So out of the hundreds of clients that we have, uh, to be able to, to do our best work in the, on the compliance side and the support side, we're able to deliver that with, let's say, 10 full-time operations people. If we're actually going to be doing the creative work and the actual creating the ads for, for 400 clients, we're going to need at least 50 to 60 people. You know, So it's one factor is the scalability. Having said that, for a very small select few clients where we see a really good fit, we have actually run ads for them. However, typically our core service is providing the infrastructure and the support and the compliance support. I, I have to ask this question. The, um, cause you both speak excellent English, um, certainly. And, uh, when you run your meetings at your company, is it, do you do the meetings in English or do you do it in your native language? Yeah. I'm, go ahead, Ron. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Oh, no, I was going to say we have the company language is English because we have employees from everywhere. We have people in, in Colombia, in South Africa, in Serbia, Philippines. So everyone speaks in English to each other. Gotcha. Any issues with people who don't speak English that well? We just wouldn't hire them. <laughs> just wouldn't hire them. I mean, yeah. Well, considering seventy five percent of your clients are are US based, you know, it's you it's, met on the client side. Well, well, some of our operations team just go into Google Translate and, <laughs> and just do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, so uh, let me ask you this. I'll each. I'll give you each 
this opportunity. Not, I, I, what first, let's say Rohan, what question did I not ask uh, that I should have asked? One of the questions that we get quite often that I'm surprised you didn't ask, uh, Stephen, was why and how, where do you see yourself with this company? But also, well, why- yeah, but I wasn't interview- I won't, I wasn't interviewing your question, your company, as how did you build it? That's completely different subject matter. Fair enough. You know? well, then the, the second part of that question would be why did you choose this? And okay. I have a very good answer for that, which is, and this is from just years of, you know. This is my fourth seven-figure business. And it's a similar trend that I follow every time, which is to identify um, problems and reverse engineer solutions from that problem. And as uh, Elon Musk always says, you get paid in proportion to the level of problems you solve. The bigger the problem, the more you get paid. Now, if money is not really the goal, fair enough. That will come as a byproduct. But you providing solutions to problems that is probably the best way you could grow. And especially when it comes to running ads for set service or product at the top of funnel. For example, someone seeing your ad for the first time, it's much easier to convert someone for a product that is solving a pain point that they face every day compared to maybe a luxury product that it's not really a problem solving product, but it's something that would be nice to have, have it on the coffee table or something. So the, the whole premise for Orange Trail was based on the fact that There's a huge pain in the industry for advertising and no or little solutions to it. And that's how the company came together. And this is advice that anyone can take moving forward, whether that be, uh, you know, a brick and mortar business or some service or product reverse engineer from a huge problem and look at the, what are the solutions out there? If there's a gap, there's a possibility for a blue ocean. Yeah, but I would add to that. And I don't want to, you know, I think Elon Musk has certainly been more successful than me. Um, but there's also got to be a scalability to it as well, which is an issue in your your company, right? Your industry is going to be how can we scale this company because it really requires a lot of human involvement. And the fact that you have 25 employees already means that you're learning how to scale. So I'm not telling you how to run your business, but I, from the businesses I've run, I, I, I would just tell you that one of the criteria, especially now that I've had a number of of very large companies is one of the things I look for and I'm, I'm done looking for companies to start, but, um, is can this company scale well, because there could be a problem that you're like, listen, let's face it. You could be a lawyer's solve problems, right? But they, it, they, it's, you can only bill so many hours if you're a lawyer. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, so there's got to, there's yeah. got to be that scalability issue as, as well. It's so just really quickly, if I could counter yeah. to that, so just a quick one. So uh, completely see your point. Uh, however, your industry that you mentioned is a little bit different in the advertising industry. One of our operations managers can cater for up to 50 clients. That's unheard of in, you know, traditional uh, advertising agencies to run the yeah. ads and create the, the, the yeah. creative. Yeah. And just well, to, I would just to I, add, I, I, I would never pick the advertising agency industry to go into as a business, but that's, that's a different story. Erislav, yeah. uh, yeah. what, what were you going to say? Yeah, I just wanted to add to that point. So what Rohan said is very correct. Uh, so we're much more scalable than a typical advertising agency sure. because we provide the infrastructure, the compliance. And also, in essence, if you really break it down, we are selling digital billboards in a sense or digital advertising space and digital advertising space, i.e. ad spend, that scales. So whether a client tops up $1,000 or $1 million, it costs us the same amount of time to actually process that. 
Yep. Um, so that's actually one very big factor. Yep. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, in essence, you're, you're not even having to be that creative, honestly. It's about um, sharing information about what's allowed and what's not allowed. Is that fair to say? I mean, I think I mean, it, it goes deeper, I would say. For sure, we need, to, uh, we need to provide good support and we really, really, really need to understand the nuances of the platforms because you can really go down the rabbit hole of like really understanding how to use the platform as best as you can. Um, so if it's just sharing information, a lot of things they can just Google, but it's more so a combination of information plus know-how. Uh, plus understanding the nuances, plus a, an element of problem solving as well. So it's a combination of all those those unique factors. Well, good. Well, it sounds like a good business. Congratulations. It's uh, exciting. I, I remember those days when we were, I was growing leaps and bounds and how crazy that was. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, you know, I want to thank you both for coming on today. Um and, uh, you know, I want to thank both Aroslav and Rohan from Orange Trail. And if you want to, you know, uh, I'll ask certainly them in a second, but their website is orangetrail.io um, uh, for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting up app. And please, if you like today's podcast or any of the other ones that we've done, please give us a five-star review. Um, And if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Aroslav and Rohan, although I did give out your website, again, it's uh, uh, orangetrail.io. If anyone wants to get in touch with you guys, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, yeah. So pretty much, yeah, go to orangetrail.io. Uh, you can book a call there uh, and that has all the information. We're also on Instagram, but I would say the website is probably the best place. Great. Uh, so th- this is uh, my takeaway from today. Um, I cannot imagine if you are spending uh, you know, a lot of money on these platforms, how you would not bring in Orange Trail. As far as if you're getting lots of um, ads that are being um, not accepted, I, you know, to me, it would make complete sense because once you've determined that your ads are driving a profitable business, let's put it, make sure it's, you know, I listen, I don't need to go into that profitable business. Then, you know, you just want to get as much ad spend out there as you possibly can. And so I can, I can't see why you wouldn't use Orange Trail. And it uh, sounds like these guys are going to have a good, really, really good business going forward. So other than that, I want to wish everybody a great day, both in the United States and in Bulgaria and elsewhere. So have a good day, everybody. Cheers.